Watching the pop culture of yesteryear to understand the world of today. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm Dan Ludwig. I feel like you're you're getting back into it. You stuck the landing on that intro more than than the, normally than, the, than I did last time. Yeah, the, yeah, just the seven car pileup that was us attempting to do an intro after coming back. Oh man, and it's good to be back. And I'm thank you to everybody who went and downloaded and you know got caught up on episodes in our absence. Uh, thank you to everybody who said nice things about Twitter. Who, uh, no one said anything nice about Twitter. No, no one should ever say no, anything nice it's, about Twitter. It's, it's a, a garbage hell place. website. It's a hell place. Thank you to everybody who said nice stuff about us on Twitter. Are people still complimenting us on Twitter? Yeah, a couple oh, of people. Yeah. Thank you. Big thank yous to everybody, and thank you to everyone who shared this with your friends. Uh, please don't forget, patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. You can support us financially. You can also talk to us on Twitter. We are at breakmayberry. I'm doing it up front now because no one listens to the ending. <laughs> I was really certain that just everyone was going to have moved on to, like, a Bewitched podcast or something like that. Like, someone would have come in and stolen our thunder by having, like... Just swooped in here with, like, Gilligan's Island. You, and, and younger and sexier hosts. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Just, just like you and me, but with less stuttering and also they're shirtless the entire time. Which comes through through audio format yeah, somehow. Yeah, you, you can feel their sexiness through your headphones. Oh, God. Yeah. They roll their R's perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And just really get into Gilligan's Island. <laughs> really glad that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, no. Glad you stuck with us. You settled for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's about it for housekeeping stuff today. Uh, yeah. We are recording this on election day. Uh, so, we're kind of putting the initial, like concept of the Andy Griffith show to the test and that like back then it was supposed to serve as like this safe refuge from the the, the strange stuff happening in the world and we're gonna do that now because I don't want to pay attention Andy Griffith and alcohol that's I, how we're getting through this night I did my vote I want to pretend that nothing outside of this podcast exists for the next hour or so and so can you yeah all right so let's go ahead and get started here uh the episode we're gonna do now uh, season 34, Episode 2, Barney's Replacement, directed by guy who listens to every music except for rap and country, Bob Sweeney. His friends call him Robert, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Written by Jack Ellenson and Charles Stewart. Uh, originally airs October 9th, 1961. Here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney thinks that a state's attorney who's been sent to Mayberry for law enforcement training has been sent to replace him. So this is another one of Barney's feelings episodes. Barney's insecurities episode. It's so annoying. He does... We see Barney threaten to quit the force about a bajillion times. Yeah. This is, I think, the only time he spends any real time away from the force. But it it has no impact. Because I've seen him turn in his badge and gun 28 fucking times by now. I mean, it's it's a little... We're starting to hit the challenge of doing this in season two in that, like... What a, what can be said about Barney Fife at this point that we have not already said in that he is 
just the absolute fucking worst, and also the picture of just, like, the glaring authoritarianism of inadequacy. He's so fragile. So fragile, and just externalizes his feelings, and also, when push comes to shove, does not give a shit about anything except those feelings. Just, and the fact that the world has to cater to his every insecurity. It just, the fucking, he's the fucking- He's the worst. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. I feel like, there is, there is one revelation in this that I feel like sort of continues to paint the picture of Mayberry's weird seedy underbelly underneath- Andy Griffith's iron-fisted rule, mm-hmm. uh, which I think we'll, we'll touch on later on. The new deputy freaks out about it, and I also freaked out about oh, it. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I know what you're talking about. Let's just, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Yeah. So we start off, Barney and Andy are at the jail. Yeah. And Barney is going through some wanted posters. He's going to put something on the bulletin board. He says that this guy that just came in, the poster that just came in from, like, the head office or the state police, I don't yeah. know. Uh, like, well, this guy's wanted for armed robbery. Huh. Better go put this wanted poster up. And he goes over to the bulletin board, and there's this very long scene where basically there's no room on the bulletin board because Barney hasn't cleared off the bulletin board. Oh, I'm sorry. Andy has the poster at this point. That's, yeah, that's important. The, yeah, he's saying, like, oh, they get younger every year. Uh, goes to put it up, and there's no room. And he just basically says, like, okay, well, this person got caught, so I'm going to take this off. Yeah, be clear. This is Andy. I'm yeah. sorry. I said Barney earlier, but Andy has the poster. And, and Barney, Barney loses his shit. Yeah. Barney says, you can't take that off. There has been official verification. I need the, official verica- verification to take that off. To be clear, the reason Barney's so upset is because Andy put him in charge of the bulletin board. So he, like, is talking about how he takes his bulletin board responsibilities very seriously except he doesn't because the bulletin board's a fucking mess. So he's very lazy but very proud of it. Yeah, no, he's, it's, like, Andy accidentally points out that Barney hasn't been doing his job. Yeah. And Barney panics, overcompensates, and then holds up Andy's ability to run the jail efficiently by preventing him from clearing off the bulletin board. Because he keeps saying, like, I need official verification. And Andy just is like, well, you haven't read the news or paid attention to anything or probably done your job at all he he's extremely polite about it though like he lets it go immediately and just sort of sits there as barney just kind of yaps in his ear about how he always waits for the official verification and so on and so forth yeah it goes on like that for quite some time uh barney says the phrase official verification about 27 it's just like how many times aunt b said apple pie last time yeah no there's a they're getting into a real repetition joke thing which must have been just all the rage back then anyway barney gets mad uh he runs off and he's he's just like outside sweeping opie comes in and they talk about school and barney and uh opie says something like you must have made him real mad pa he's sweeping all the way down the street i feel like Ron, like, this is the only part that Ron Howard comes in for. He just comes in and yells, Barney is upset! I have to go to school! And Andy was just like, alright, well, goodbye, never seen again. Yeah, he's not in the rest of the episode. I, I On the other like, hand, it's a good sign that that little sociopath can recognize emotions in others. Like, the, the counselor! 
counselor at school used the pictures to show me that that expression means anger. Aww. <laughs> the, the frowny face with the, uh, with the eyes going downward means that that person's angry. The eyes aren't up, so it's not sad. Goodbye, father. <laughs> and this kind of goes on for a little bit. Not the, not the Opie thing, but like the entire, I guess, first act of this prior to the first commercial break is dedicated to Barney basically just not doing his job and using the fact, using the, uh, fact that he hasn't gotten official orders as an excuse for it because like they go and drive and andy says hey did you ever fix that stop sign and barney says no i never fixed the sign i was waiting for a work order from the county and Andy's like no you don't just go put a nail on the damn sign they're parking and barney like does a little fender bender yeah and andy's just like gives him a little shit like that like he he, he doesn't even go like like come on he just goes like oop yeah fender bender oh Oh, like he's a guy from the Midwest trying to get past someone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me get past you there. <laughs> like, he, like it's kind. Like he treats it like it's a fun little surprise. Like his his expression is like is is like he found candy. Like ooh, a fender bender. What delightful! And Barney is like, you're screaming at me. Nobody I, will be held accountable for this. Yeah, Barney is basically like not doing his job. He's he's using like bureaucratic. Uh, nonsense as an excuse yeah and uh just blowing up at the slightest the absolute slightest acknowledgement that maybe he's not absolutely perfect so he gets mad at andy and says you've been picking on me you've been picking on me all week blah 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 and then they go in and there's a new guy a strange man in the jailhouse bob rogers bob rogers who is rob rogers who is yet another robot yeah just, I don't understand where they find this infinite supply of square-jawed, black-haired white guys who all have the exact same voice. Hello, I mean, I'm Bob Rogers. It was 1961. Those guys just lined up down the street. They woke up, ate dry toast, and then stood in line for this role. I'm Bill Williams. I've come to. I've been in Hollywood for 20 minutes. Was, I'll take my extra job now. It's kind of like outside the Home Depot, except it's just like <laughs> it's just it's just square jawed dudes in black ties who are just staring off into the distance and waiting for somebody to just like activate their extra sense. <laughs> Hello, I need a man in Hollywood who's handsome yet forgettable. Where will I find one? <laughs> they, it's the freaky thing is they all have the exact same voice. Like this guy, the doctor, that producer who comes to Maybury. They all talk like this. Yeah, it's not quite the mid-Atlantic accent, like, but it's definitely the leading man accent. Yeah, it's like... And it's it's over-exaggerated. Maybe it is like a mid-Atlantic thing, because it's over-exaggerated, I think, to contrast with Andy and Barney's, like, uh... vocal peculiarities, shall we say. Do you think if, like, if a guy had just come in and been like, Hey, what's up? I'm uh, I'm Bob Rogers. They would have been like, "What? Where is this man? Is he from Mayberry? Is he not from Mayberry? I have no fucking idea." I mean, like, they even had a guy from Hollywood, but he wasn't like a Californian at all. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, actually, a weird. I was like doing a little background research, and it's been said that the reason that this show was was popular is like uh, this was this Andy Griffith show came out when Southerners were starting to get TVs. And sure. there was this massive gold rush to try to connect to that audience, like the Beverly Hillbillies and other shows like Hee-haw. that. Hee-haw. Yeah, Hee-haw. Hee-haw was the big one. But this was the old, this was the one that really took off because this was the one 
that was really built around Southerners' sensibilities sure. a lot more, where they weren't the joke, everyone else was the joke. So maybe they're doing this with these kind of guys because it's like, this is, this, hello, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from upstate New York. This is how you assume that we all talk. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it? That that might be the gag. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just anybody from out of town is like that. Anyway, Bob Rogers. Uh, <laughs> even though Bob Rogers is still from North Carolina, he's not actually from anywhere else, but he's been sent by the state attorney's office. He's like he's like an assistant DA or he's like a yeah. law student or something? No, no, he's an assistant DA. Like, he is with the district attorney's office. Okay. He is a practicing lawyer within the state government. And so they've sent him to get some on-the-job law enforcement experience. Wait, yeah, it's like which a... is something I've never. We should we should have gotten Ian, our actual lawyer, to come in and weigh in on this. Uh, because, I mean, his billable hours are getting really intense. Yeah, no. I, I, support us on Patreon. Support us on Patreon so that that lawyer can gouge me some more. Yeah, I, I I will say honestly, despite the fact that the actor sucks absolute shit. Bob Rogers fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> Bob, Rogers, Bob Rogers kicks ass. Uh, he's he's here for some, like, weird bullshit program. Apparently, like, they can just send their lawyers away and it's like, like, all right, we'll put all these cases on hold. Your your district attorney is busy learning how to be a small town sheriff for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so they send him there. Barney obviously immediately feels threatened. We, like, cut to him at his girlfriend's house, Thelma Lou's. And Thelma Lou is just, like, being way more supportive than Barney fucking deserves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this poor put-upon woman. Because, oh, yeah, the, the last shot after Bob Rogers explains, like, I'm here to be your, uh, your temporary dep- deputy. This is super temporary. I'm just here to learn. Cannot Andy. stress enough, this is temporary. I will be gone next week. Immediate hard shot to Barney looking paranoid and distraught. Yeah. And then cut to Thelma Luz where he's flipping out and just doing these paranoid rantings. And she's pretty much validating them. She's going all along with it. Rather right. than recommending that he ups his dosage of lithium. Yeah. Yeah, so Barney is saying that Andy got a replacement for him. And they're using this whole ruse that he's an attorney from out of state who's here for temporary work experience when they're stealth firing Barney. Uh, that though he was, he's not actually an attorney. There, he wasn't sent by anyone. He's just here for Barney's job and to get Barney to train his own replacement. Which, by the way, is a thing that companies do all the time. Yeah, mm, but. But also, can you lie and say that they are a completely different human being to do that? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. You can't, like, bring in the replacement in a mustache and, like, and just be like, hey, we need you to train the janitor on how to do data entry. Just, we want our janitors to know how to do your job for some reason. Yeah. This is all above board. <laughs> this is legit. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Barney's decided that if he's going to have to train, he's going to he's going to do it kicking and screaming. He's he, like I'm going to I'm going to kick this boy in the ass. I'm going to show him that he can't do this job. Or specifically by withholding police training. He's yeah. not going to teach him how to do his job, which is just a great devotion to the people of Mayberry and the functioning of of, of the local of society. Government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so devoted to the, to the town's well-being that he's willing to just ground it to a like to a screeching halt to keep his job. So we get to the jail the next day, and Bob has, shock and awe, cleaned up the bulletin board. Yeah. Yeah. There's actual space on there. 
he mentions, oh, no, I understood how to do it. I didn't need any training. I just read the manual for our job. Yeah. He did, like, an afternoon of reading, and he's significantly better at his job than, than Barney, and arguably Andy. Right, because neither Barney nor Andy realized that there was a manual mm. at all, but it was sitting in Andy's desk? So did Andy think it was, like, a Gideon Bible? Wh- and, like, it came with the room? The likelihood that Andy has opened that desk is less than 1%. That's like, true. That desk is where he cleans trout. Like, they have never read any documentation on how to do this job. The only time they've mentioned, like, police documentation was when Ralph Case was interrogating Andy, and he said that he didn't let Barney read it because apparently there was porn in it. Yeah, yeah, they they got those police reports that were apparently pornographic. Yeah, they they had a girlies section in the police reports. <laughs> Just like, listen, we know you've been, you know, like, really breaking a sweat reading about all these crimes. How about you jerk off real quick, and then you can get back to it. <laughs> Andy's real impressed by this. Impressed by a guy's ability to organize a bulletin board. <laughs> and I, I would say, I would say that this is very silly, but remember, in episode two... Andy got a boner and was like, had his mind blown by magnets. Yeah. Andy just got over the existence of bulletin boards. And now the fact that you can clean them is blowing his fucking mind. (laughs) Barney's attempts to impede Bob Rogers training is not going well just on the basis of Barney's job is not very hard and literally anyone can figure out how to do it. Right, right. And there are some bits like he goes to a train him on oh. how to use the police siren in the uh, the cop car. Right, and the police siren is actually broken, so Barney turns it on and he can't turn it back off. Bob fixes it really easily just by, like, opening the car and just, move, like, pressing a button. Uh, and everyone, like, practically lifts Bob on their shoulders, like, He did a thing! A person in this uniform did a thing! Yeah! <laughs> Start the parade! <laughs> Uh, This deserves immediate and aggressive validation. Everyone's like, hooray, you stopped the annoyance that you started. (laughs) And and then uh, after Bob leaves, like, well, I'm going to go continue doing this job. Barney is just sort of standing around with the townsfolk of Maybury that have, like, gathered to watch this beautiful sight and just screams at them. Just like, disperse, get out of here. You know, however, however, there's a really clever thing in here. That you have to be paying a lot of attention to. I didn't catch until the second uh, run through. But Andy takes Bob aside after they fix it. And he says, hey, Bob, I got to talk to you. And as he's walking off, he's like, hey, do you remember that warrant I sent you out to go serve? Well, it actually went to the wrong hab, blah, blah, blah. The wrong. He says wrong. And they kind of like walk off. If Barney was paying any attention, he would have noticed that Bob screwed up. He would have noticed that Bob actually made a mistake and Andy was just saying, hey, you did it wrong. Yeah. And all of this could be avoided, but Barney was so wrapped up in his own shit and just staring at all of the people around. And he didn't notice that. He was so busy lashing out and externalizing to make himself feel big. Yeah. Because that's really what he was doing. He was like, he was just attacking citizens to inflate his own ego back up. Yeah, he would have noticed that. Bob is the new guy who's still learning how to do his job. Yeah, so if he had been paying just a tiny bit of attention, like a fucking law enforcement officer should, any attention whatsoever, he would have gotten at least one point on Bob. This scene also... Real clever. Real clever move. Good job. Good job, Ellison and Stewart. The Ellison and Stewart are really turning into the MVPs of this show. Oh, yeah. 
as David Adler has descended further and further into madness, they've stepped up. Yeah, yeah. Also, this scene has an important milestone. Uh, this was before we caught it the last season. This was, I thought, the first uh, sign of a black person in Mayberry. Uh, one of right. the people gathered around is a black woman. She comes and looks at a car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't say anything. Uh, she has the closest thing to speaking lines, which is a facial expression. So Barney yells at the citizens of Mayberry. The next scene is we're back at the jail. Bob is doing something pretty fucking cool that I'm pretty on board with where he's taking existing arrest patterns and using that to predict crime that's going to happen in the future by identifying long-term trends. He's he's kind of minority reporting it. A Uh. little bit, but he's not like we need to preemptively uh, arrest people or any shit like that. He's just like, so you can predict what kind of work you're going to have to do, which Andy... Is like, is like, well, this is some witchcraft. What do you, they could use this to like reduce long-term crime through like preemptive intervention. Here's the thing. So he starts like rattling off stuff, basically saying like you're overdue, right? Like I haven't had any tornadoes yet. We're overdue for one. Haven't had a storm. Like that's how he talks about this stuff. Yeah. And he, his, he lists off the stuff that he thinks is going to happen in the next couple of months. Twelve traffic violations, three break and enterings. One wife-beating case. And they act, like, absolutely shocked at the idea that there would be a wife-beating case. Yeah. Even though we have seen at least two. Yeah. In this. In this. They're just, they just freak out. They're like, no, no wife-beating. Nobody beats their wife around here. No no wife-beating. That's not why we arrested Otis the very first episode. No. Fucking denial. Complete denial. Which is then followed by a phone call. After which Andy says, Crystal Ball seems to be working. Ed Simpkins just give his wife what for. Followed by a laugh track. Which is so fucking freaky. Can you, yeah, like... the joke is spousal abuse. I, I, is it that he says it folksy? Like, what for? Like, he... He, he threw hands at his wife. Like, what the fuck are you... <laughs> What the fuck is the joke here? What am I laughing uh, at? They stood outside and he challenged her to fisticuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is the joke? Is the joke that he said beating your wife folksy? Yeah, the the, the, the joke is that Mrs. Simpkins just got slapped around. He like, done lit into his wife. Like, oh what my the God. fuck? So Barney starts to go, like, he's going to go to the Simpkins' house, but then Andy's like, you know what? This is kind of Bob's caller, right? He's the one who called it. Even though Bob has no authority to arrest anyone, we don't arrest people anyway in Mayberry, so who gives a shit? Yeah, like, he's just sending, well, I feel like Bob is going to go arrest the guy, and Andy's going to immediately be like, oh no, 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 you were supposed to give him a stern talking to and very angry facial expression. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how we do things around here. Yeah. Uh, Which actually turns out to be kind of the moral of the episode. uh, Bob goes out, and Andy says to Barney, that's a heck of a lawman. And Barney sinks into a depression. Yeah, he goes back to Thelma Luz. He's whining the entire time. Thelma Luz says, well, your friend wouldn't do you like that. And Barney's like, well, the only reason Andy doesn't fire me is because we're friends. Yeah. Well, Accurate. Yeah, right, true. (laughs) Fucking nailed it. Yeah, the first, like, good point Barney's brought up the entire episode. And Barney says, if Barney Fife isn't wanted someplace, Barney Fife doesn't stay. Like, the fact that, the idea that Barney Fife knows when to leave a situation when he's not wanted, proven fundamentally false by literally absolutely everything inaccurate. in show. Yeah, absolutely inaccurate. Uh, anyway, Barney does go and quit the force. Yeah. For the 29th time that we've seen. It's the most he's ever executed quitting the force. Yeah, so... 
he said he makes up some lie about wanting to quit. You know, there's a big world out there. Barney's going to join industry, whatever. Uh, he's getting married, and Thelma Lou is worried about his safety, which, no. No, that's not true at all. One, you're not going to marry Thelma Lou because you're cheating on her, and two, no sane person would be afraid of your safety ever. Right, I mean, that that's not true. I am worried about Barney Fife's safety. He shoots himself in the foot, like, literally. That's not a metaphor. <laughs> he is constantly shooting himself. That's She's worried about him when he leaves the house every day, just like, you're out there Mr. Magooing around the city. It's like baby's day out, but you have a loaded <laughs> handgun. Like, I'm afraid for you to walk to work because there are moving cars. Like, and, and he's misinterpreting it as like, she's worried that I'm going to get shot by a criminal. Barney gets a job immediately. I guess there was a door-to-door vacuum salesman job There's... just waiting for him. Like, they're always hiring at the door-to-door salesman factory. I mean, that is honestly pretty standard with, like, my experiences being an English major fresh out of college of, like, they always need someone to participate in a pyramid scheme. Someone's always got to sell them Cutco knives, man. Oh, there's always a commission-based job for a product no one wants or needs. Yeah, man. Someone's got to sell a weight loss wrap. Someone's got to sell sex toys out of their apartment. That's what being a uh, capitalist is all about. This is just the equivalent of that, of just, like... A job that you're doomed to fail at, but it's based off of commission, so you, uh, so they don't care about hiring you. So Barney goes around town selling vacuums, uh, goes to one woman's house and is just like, oh, this is a very funny prank that you're doing here, Barney. It's really funny. You're, you're, you're pulling a prank on me. Okay, bye. And just kind of shuts the door in his face. <laughs> yeah. We get fucking Emma back for a minute. Honestly, I'm I was very happy with with them in this scene because she does a solid Abbott and Costello type bit and also gets very flirty with Barney. Yes, which was made me deeply uncomfortable, which also made me laugh. I think I'll, I'll just play the clip here. Yeah. And after years of research and testing <laughs> under scientific conditions, the new Miracle Sweep has proved to be beyond all doubt the number one vacuum cleaner in America today. Any questions? Yes. How come you're not in your deputy uniform? Because I'm not a deputy, and I explained all that. I'm a vacuum cleaner salesman. You look better in the uniform. I always liked you, even if you did arrest me that time for jaywalking. But you should wear your uniform. Emma, will you listen to me? I can't wear my uniform. I'm not supposed to wear my uniform because I'm not a deputy. Not a deputy? No. Well. If you're not a deputy, you certainly had a lot of nerve arresting me for jaywalking. <laughs> my organs rearranged in my body during this scene. The just the sound of Emma trying to flirt in Emma's voice is sonically upsetting on a cup like a conceptual and aesthetic level like my, my liver kind of shriveled a little bit it, it felt like things were trying to punch their way out of my body which i was i kind of appreciate i was like oh good job the andy griffith show you made me feel something <laughs> andy runs into barney on the street and it's like running into your ex at the grocery store <laughs> so deeply sad <laughs> it's just like hey buddy how you doing how you been looks like you're doing well uh, when, but he's like, it looks like you're doing well, but I uh, like two seconds of looking at you indicates that no. Yeah. Like, have you closed any sales? Oh, you have a very flimsy lie? 
Oh, let me look at your sales book. It's empty. You're going to starve to death. Please come back. Barney, like, makes up a flimsy lie about how he sold so many things that he had to give his sales book back. And Andy just goes like, oh, you're doing real well and you're going to be rich soon. Barney, just fucking come back, please. Come on, man, please. God. Please just come back. Which, it feels like in his equal mixture of just, Bar- like, Andy being like, you're going to die doing this. Like, you're going to starve to death. And also, I'm bored. Come on. Yeah. Bob is really boring. Please don't make me hang out with him. His actor is so shitty and his jaw is so square. I hate this. <laughs> Andy goes to Thelma Luz. Uh They talk about how Barney's stubborn and that's not interesting. I want to skip forward to uh, Bob coming up to Andy and talking about uh, all the citations that he's done. Okay, yeah. So this is the big thing. And it's, I feel like it's the reason that Andy wants Barney back is Bob is Bob basically says like, hey, um... There's a bunch of crimes that it, uh, that I've arrested people for that you're saying have never happened in Mayberry. Um, that's crazy that I'm here for the first time that multiple crimes have happened. And Andy is ju- just basically says something to the effect of like, well, we like to be lenient. But what he's really saying is like, I'm not arresting people. I'm just essentially giving them slaps on the wrist and telling them to stop it and not reporting that the crimes happened. Yeah, and this is why... Uh... Bob's formula is so bad. It's it's just like any other algorithm in the world. If your data is garbage, your results will be garbage. Yeah, so he basically says, like, okay, so everything I'm projecting is completely fucked. But and the, the root of the thing that he starts to get to is, like, you've been fucking with your reports. You're not reporting crimes that are happening in your town. So you're basically padding your numbers. So Mayberry is frequently hailed as a town... With very low crime, it's happened before, and it, there's going they're going to get awards for it. Yeah, later it'll, this it'll happen season, later this season, where they're just like the Mayberry, the town with the lowest crime in in America. It is quite literally the town from Hot Fuzz. I know I keep making that reference, but it is. It's insane. It's it works so well. It this is like the thing that like really does it, where he's just basically giving people slaps on the wrist so that he can not report the crime, so that he can get a claim for how little crime there is. It's why, like, the Mayberry is such a do-nothing town. He's essentially pa- papering over a massive crime rate. Now, I, I want to be clear here, because if you if you listen to this show and you don't know Dan and I real well, you might get the idea that maybe we are very into the idea of, like, by-the-book constant policing and constant police state where super pro-strong police presence. We are not. We just believe that if there is going to be police, they should enforce a law every now and then. Yeah. I mean, Bob Kate, like, I, I prefer my cops to be intelligent and effective rather than lethargic and corrupt and just sort of what Bob Rogers essentially uh, is suggesting is using data to predict crimes and preempt them to reduce the amount of crimes that happens. Right, but his data is, is useless. Yeah, but that's a good idea. The thing that cops don't should do more of just sort of trying to do trying to use data analytics to reduce crime that happens over time. Andy is just completely reactionary and corrupt and just padding his numbers so that he can look really good. Like it's it's less of an issue of like I want my cops to be present and arresting people and more I don't like my cops to be corrupt and using their office to be self-serving. Yeah. All right, so we we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. So the reason the way that Bob finds out that all of his data is garbage Mm -hmm. is he goes to Andy and he says to Andy, hey, I was wondering, does Barney have a permit to sell stuff? 
Yeah. Cause I mean, and he even says, like, we can just let it go since you guys are friends if you'd like. Yeah. And Andy gets a sudden idea. He goes, no, 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 no. You better bring him in. You bring him in for selling stuff without a permit. It's The cool Green that, River Ordinance or whatever they call it. Yeah, it's cool that Andy didn't know that that was illegal. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, like, Andy has just a cursory awareness of the law and seems completely disinterested in it until it can serve his interests. So he sends Bob out to arrest Barney. And in kind of a, like, minimal power of corrupts minimally moment, Bob drags Barney in yelling and screaming, Get in there, get in, just the way that Barney drags people in when he arrests them. Yeah. I thought that was kind of clever. Uh, and this is how Bob finds out that his data is bullshit, because he says, man, my chart should have predicted this. Yeah. And that's when Andy goes, well, we haven't really ever enforced that law, or any laws, ever. Yeah. And that's, so Bob gets really angry, he starts rambling about the chart. Barney gets angry because he's like, oh, I'm not just a, a statistic. I'm not just a number on a chart. I'm Barney Fife. Damn it, my life has value. It's it's kind of a weird, like, in a different context, that speech, I would be like, fuck yeah. Like, we're not statistics. We're people. But in this specific thing, it's Barney Fife saying it, so fuck you. Yeah, like, I mean, and he, he demands to have his job back, and he's already got the uniform. And basically what this term comes down to is, they turn on Bob, and they tell Bob that he's way too by the books, and he doesn't understand people. Yeah. He doesn't understand people's emotions or feelings. There's which, been... once again, like, under any circumstances, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably a good lesson, but, again, you should enforce the law when it's a fucking wife-beating case. Yeah, you should, like, be consistent in enforcing the law. Imagine what, what Bob is going to say when he finds out that there's feuding happening in the woods, that hillbillies are just firing shotguns at each other slightly out of frame all the time. And Andy is just going to be like, oh, well, that's not attempted murder. It's it's a feud. It falls under terms of a feud. So yeah, yeah. we let that go. It, it's Mortal Kombat rule. Yeah. As long as you yell Mortal Kombat, you're allowed to kill a man. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's how it goes, man. Listen, it... Is there a massive moonshine operation happening in Mayberry? Yes. But is it in the woods where people can't see it? Also, yes. Do mostly. I, mostly. Do I have to enforce it? <laughs> Barney says no, and he has your job now, so <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, later. Yeah. And that's basically it. That's basically it. They uh, they tell Bob, Bob, you just don't understand people. And Bob goes, well, I guess I don't. Well, time for me to leave. Bob, uh, Barney does say, he's like, I'm going to get my job back. I'm going to take my job back from you. And then he looks at Bob and says, gird your loins, buster. Which is a deeply upsetting phrase to hear Don not say. I, I don't know if it would be upsetting if just a normal human said it. I feel like, Marty, say gird your loins, buster, real quick. Like in my normal voice or yeah, like a Barney Fife Just voice? as you. Gird your loins, Buster. No, still upsetting. Still, <laughs> ew, it, ew, ew. Yeah, it, it hurt me to say it. My I penis apologize. went inside of my body when you said that. <laughs> I apologize to everybody who has our voice in their earbuds right now. Honestly, you saying that is like a form of birth control. Instead of doing absence-only education, you could just play the sound of someone saying "Gird your loins, Buster," and just no one would have sex <laughs> for six months. Uh, <laughs> and that's basically it. That's basically the end of the episode. The stinger is uh, uh, Bob. Bob's last day on the job. He's not a deputy anymore. 
And then Barney writes him a ticket for, like, littering or parking or some bullshit like that. And Barney's like, I, I'm teaching you about how you shouldn't be so by the books. And it's like, bullshit! You're, tr- you're like, putting the screws to someone that pissed you off. Yep. I feel like the subtle reason that, uh, that Andy was like, like, I need Barney back was he was like, I need someone that's gonna not report crime statistics right now. Like, yeah. I need someone too incompetent to enforce the law so that no one in, no one realizes that there are crimes here so that I can continue fishing during work. And, uh, and the big, like, the big joke at the end of the episode is Barney walks down the street feeling good about himself. Which... That's it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Ratings for this episode. Andy Meter. How good is this episode? Ah... Uh, is it funny at any point? The Emma thing is ki- is kind of funny. I mean, this isn't that good of an episode. It's not. I'm... It's fine. It's it was fine. There were no bad parts really. I was never that bored watching it. Six. Six. It's a six. It's yeah. it's. There's nothing special about it. Yeah. Uh, and as far as like the FIFO meter, which is how gross is this episode? Uh, you got you got the domestic violence joke. Yeah. Uh, and then you got the, like, bar Andy tampering the fucking numbers and no one gives a shit. No, like, normalizing police corruption to a point that's a little crazy. But it's honestly... it. And, it's, and, it's nowhere near the worst thing we've seen on this show, so I'm going to give it, like, a seven. It's sort of fading into background static. Yeah. Like, it's not that it's not the worst thing. It's It's probably, like, in terms of what it should actually be, it's probably, like, a six or a seven. Um, or something like that, but in terms of my feelings, it's like a three. Yeah, like, I, I don't care that much about it. Like, I, I'm gonna, you wanna split the difference and call it like a four? Yeah, something like four, that. Four, four fifes? It's, it has a lot of toxic masculinity with Barney, but I'm so numb to that. It's so boring. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Gay. And we're the ghouls next door. Talk about that spooky stuff. We are horror podcasts where we talk facts, feelings, and films, and explore what makes you scared. Yeah, we say words to your ears about fear. So find out what makes you afraid and why. So join us wherever podcasts are. We are there in your head. Yeah, on the internet. It's not voices in your head. It's just us talking. Don't be afraid. Come with us to the basement. Hey, internet people. Yeah. Listen to our shit. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Welcome back to Breaking Mayberry. And uh, we're actually recording these two at once. It's still election night here. It's kind of like, like we if, if we stop podcasting, I'll die. Like, don't <laughs> let go of me. Do not let go of me. We, we, we should have done like a, uh, a podcast-a-thon, just like raising money for, I don't know, Jerry's kids. Yeah. To just stay on the air for 24 hours. <laughs> it's really, it's more for our benefit than yours, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> it feels like there's a killer in the room, and if I turn around, he'll hit me with a machete. So that's why we're just kind of rolling on through with this. We're going into Season 2, Episode 3, 
Andy and the Woman Speeder, directed by You'll Rue the Day You Cross Bob Sweeney. Author of A Gentleman's Guide to Pool Sharking, Bob Sweeney. And written by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellison. They switched uh, They switched order again. I love these guys and the fact that they do that. Well, yeah. they're prob- that's probably just Wikipedia being inconsistent. But well, it, might, just, it might be a contract thing. I want it to be that they're considerate enough of each other to do that. And so this was aired originally October 16th, 1961. Here is our one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy gives a woman from Washington a fine for speeding, but she refuses to pay and is locked up in the Mayberry Jail, playing on Barney's sympathy until her trial. Uh, She does so much more than that. Yeah. Uh, The woman, by the way, this is probably the biggest star we've had on the Andy Griffith Show, by the way. Gene Hagen, uh, best known for playing Lena Lamont in Singing in the Rain, because she was... She was already uh, nominated for an Academy Award. She's already no- uh, had uh, three Emmy nominations as well uh, for Make Room for Daddy. So she was actually probably the first big like guest star they had on there. I refused to Wikipedia this person because I knew you were going to say who it was. The entire time I was watching, I was like, is this a crossover episode from a show I don't know? <laughs> no, no, no. This was, a, this was actually a famous person, a well-known woman. This is the first person with the privilege of defeating Andy Griffith. Yeah, they meet in combat and she wins. She, I don't think she out-cons him, but she out-emotionally and psychologically manipulates him. She breaks him like Bane breaks Batman. You You merely adopted the dark. I was born into it. (laughs) It's solid, it's solid. Alright, so it starts off with Andy and... Opie and Floyd coming down from the fishing hole. Yeah. Uh, and they're talking about all the good stuff that they caught for that night's fish bake or whatever. They're having like a big party. And uh, uh, they say that they need to call Barney away from his secret hole. Right. Yeah. So Barney's off like. In his secret <laughs> hole. They say those words like four times. That's not just me. Barney is playing in his secret hole. The secret hole he won't tell us about. <laughs> yeah. Won't the, se- share. the secret hole we're not allowed in. Barney comes back and they ask what he pulled out of his secret hole. Uh, and he's really ashamed of what he found in there. Uh, and they kind of like they rib him for it and they ask him about his secret hole. And it's eventually revealed that the thing he got out of there was a frog. Yeah, there was a hole. There was a frog in his hole. There was a frog in his secret hole. Frog in his secret hole. <laughs> you can't just say a hole. It's a secret hole. It's Barney's secret hole. <laughs> it's Barney's very special secret hole that he's very proud of. <laughs> I said that exactly the amount of times that the Andy Griffith show did, including a young Ron Howard who just sort of yells, what did you get in the secret hole, Barney? Jesus Christ. Which I think qualifies as child abuse, but I'm not sure. So they're loading up all their fish and they make fun of Barney for pulling a frog out of a secret hole. Thank you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a car just zoomed past. Yeah, just I guess. pretty good. Honestly, pretty good direction by Bob Sweeney that he really like this. Like the car sounds fantastic as it goes by. Yeah, yeah. Like he really sells the speed of it. Like it's visceral. Yeah, and even though it's in black and white, I'm just like, well, that's a little red sports car. Obviously, yeah. yeah it really it emanates like like red out of it. 
What's the model of that car? Because it is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I was wondering if the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki had that detail. It does not seem to have one. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they let us down. I I wish one of us was a car guy. If you're a car guy, watch this episode and let and, us know. And live tw- and not live tweet it. And then tweet at us. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, they hit the siren. They drive up with Floyd and Opie in the back seat. Yeah. By the way. So, they pull the woman over. It's this woman named Elizabeth Crowley, who is from Washington. And I like that she sort of delivers that. Elizabeth Crowley, Washington, D.C. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, from the big city. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they're just kind of like, oh, look at the big city lady. Like, oh, someone from the city. And, and, and Andy even says something like, boy, you're not setting a very good example for someone who's from our national capital. Something like that. Yeah. It's like really weird and not condescending. Kind of condescending. And she was like, okay, well, I didn't mean to speed. I'm sorry. It's a new car. It's uh, the, the gas is tricky. You know, you just press the button and zoom. Yeah, is- she's she's very clearly like, please don't give me a ticket. She's very tra- clearly trying to flirt her way out of a ticket. Yeah. You know, which in Andy world, like, makes her the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an affront to Andy, his dignity as a man, and also God. He gives her one anyway. But he he's like, alright, well, I'm glad that you're not going to do it again, but fuck you, here's a ticket. And she's initially like, ah, god damn it, okay, fine. The part that sticks with her is she says like, wait, you need me to come back in a week? Right, and which is still something that happens today, right? When you get a, a ticket, you got to show up. To court later on. Yeah. She's dumb. Yeah. Most of the time, you'll just pay the ticket. Yeah, that's mm. the thing that she contests. She's like, well, I want to see the justice of the peace now. I'll just fucking pay it now. Uh, which pisses Andy off because she's mildly inconvenienced him. Right. She also, like, affronts the honor of the Mayberry PD or whatever. Because she says, it looks like I've fallen into one of those small town speed traps. Which is a couple of things. Number one, it's A... You small townies are fucking bullshit. I'm from the big city. Yeah. Uh, you're clearly setting me up because you have nothing else to do. Yeah. So, again, they portray her as being, like, super high and mighty about it. That's right. that's the that's what I think they're trying to get across. And then she says, well, I'll go see the Justice of the Peace. And Andy goes, okay. And then smash cut to Andy is the Justice of the Peace. Yeah. Actually, here's the thing I want to ask early on. Whose side do you think we're supposed to be on throughout here? Because I have watched this a couple of times and I have no fucking idea. Oh, well, the uh, ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki certainly seems to know. Does their opinion on this involve any sort of epitaphs or just general screaming? All right, so here's here's how the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki describes the plot. Andy gives a speeding ticket to an attractive woman named Elizabeth Crowley. Before she reaches trial, she has used flattery and bribes to turn witnesses for the prosecution. Okay. There should be at least one other sentence there, which explains how she gets to fucking trial. Yeah. But then, I'm going to scroll down to the comments, and this is one of my favorite comments (laughs) that I've ever seen on the Ultra Reliable Mayberry Wiki. This is all one sentence, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. She's such a bad driver, and I hate when she drives. She'd be she should be in the courthouse to stay there forever. Don't even know how to drive properly. And what if she does that again after her promise? That's why Sheriff Andy Taylor should keep her there forever and ever. I love it so much. <laughs> June twenty second, two thousand sixteen. July twenty second, two thousand fourteen. That woman speeder drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, I love this community <laughs> so much. 
Uh, so yeah, no, they're pretty clearly against the woman because you're always supposed to be on Annie's side, no matter what, right? Uh, I because I was watching and I was like, okay, so she's being an asshole and he's being a. He, but she's not, all right. So let, let's. He's initially being the asshole, and she's being an asshole in response to his assholery. So let's go ahead and get and get it. Was, so they do the smash cut, and now she's in the courthouse, and she realizes, ah, fuck, this asshole is the justice of the peace. Yeah, and okay, so this has happened before. Uh, the, 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 Bobby was, Fleet with a band with a beat also like called this out that this shouldn't be legal. It was also literally episode zero of the Andy Griffith show. This was the sketch of the Danny Thomas show yeah. that introduced the character of Andy Taylor. The, so this was like the genesis of it. And the joke of that was that this is wildly corrupt and unethical. Like, th- that this is fucked up. And, and now Elizabeth Crowley is like, okay, well, what the shit? This isn't okay. And Andy basically says... You're not allowed to say that. I'm going to fine you. I'll, I'll play the clip here. $10 ought to do it. $10? That's the usual fine. Oh, I'm not fighting it. I'm just surprised it's so low. After all, when you have a foolproof system. What do you mean, foolproof system? Oh, come on now. When the arresting officer is also the man who tries the case, I have a feeling you don't lose too often. Oh, now, now hold on there just a minute. <clears throat> you wouldn't by any chance be insinuating that this court is prejudiced in any way, would you? I'm not a child, Sheriff. Then you are insinuating. That'll be $10 more for contempt. I should have known. That first $10 was just a starter. You have no intentions of letting me go until you drain me dry, have you? You contempted again. Another ten dollars. Another ten dollars, another ten dollars. Why stop there? Why not see how much I've got and take it all? Jesse James would. Why not you? Lady, you're practically calling Justice Taylor a thief. That's right. And you've insulted the dignity of my robes. Now, you got any idea what the fine is for robe insulting? Don't tell me. Another ten dollars. No, that's a biggie. That is thirty dollars. And that brings us up to the grand total of, um... Deputy, you've been keeping track. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, 30 and 10 and 10 and 10 is, uh... 60. 60. <laughs> see how it mounts up. But in view of the fact that you undoubtedly spoke without thinking, we can settle the whole thing for, oh, $25 ought to do it. Just pay the deputy. I will not. How's that? I refuse to be railroaded. I won't pay a cent. You mean you're pleading not guilty? That's exactly what I plead. And I demand a trial before an honest-to-goodness judge. Well, we do have mayor's court. Fine, mayor's court. I'll appear there. All right. And, and you're, you're entitled to legal counsel of your own choosing. Good. We got some fine attorneys here in Mayberry. Barney, is Ray Peterson available? I don't know, Andy. Things is kind of slow. Last I heard, he was selling aluminum siding. That's right. That's right. She might get Clarence Polk, though. Yeah. He don't start umpiring ball games till June. If you don't mind, I'll pass up these brilliant barristers of yours and be my own counsel. Fine. Fine. Uh, <clears throat> there's, there's one thing that I did forget to mention. Mayor's court don't take up till uh, tomorrow. I'll have to keep you in jail. Very well. 
ma'am, we're, we're not prepared for lady customers here. Then you're letting me go. Well, no, but you sure would save us all a heap of trouble all the way around if you'd just pay the fine. Sheriff, I have no intention of paying one red cent. All right. Be a stubborn female. I can be just as stubborn. We'll make accommodations. Barney, lock her up and buy some pink towels. But yeah, basically, basically she's like, well, you've got a racket going on. Yeah. And then he finds her for saying she's got a racket going on. She just says that this is a conflict of interest. Fine. Fine, fine, fine. And then she finally says, I want to go see a different judge. And he says, well, we got mayor's court, I guess. You could go before the mayor. But the mayor's not here. The mayor won't be here till next week. Yeah. And I got to say, by the way. The back and forth that these two do, weirdly sexual. You can't, you cannot convince me that this is not just some weird kink game, like a, a battle of doms yeah. between the two of them. It's like, like fight, like that, that whole like financial domination thing. Like, like I'm gonna give you another ten dollar fine. Oh yeah, give it to me. Yeah, no, like, it, it really thirty five dollar fine. First. Why don't you just reach in my purse and take everything? Just, Why don't you take it? Did, did, Denigrating my robes. Yeah. Thirty dollars. Oh, oh, you, you dirty girl. You denigrated all over my robes. And then he, he says, "Like you want to be a stubborn woman? I can be as stubborn as any woman." Which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. And he says, "We're gonna lock you up. I'll get some pink towels." It's so weirdly. There's these two definitely fucked on the way to the courthouse. I. <laughs> Disagree? They would have fucked if Barney knew when he wasn't wanted somewhere. <laughs> and he, like they were both like panting heavily, and Barney was just standing behind him, like, "Yeah, I'm also here. <laughs> Get her, Andy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try to help by doing math. Ten plus ten plus thirty. <laughs> Which, yeah, no, there is a definite like." weird sexual someone in the 1960s jacked off to this a lot yeah basically andy doesn't want to keep her in the jail because they don't have they're not prepared for lady customers but every single goddamn time a woman does anything it always has to be like described with a female <laughs> adjective you know lady druggist lady you did lady crime <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's a special like like section of Law and Order, like Law and Order, Lady Crime. Dong dong. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking so. Executive weird. producer, Vagina Wolf. That's good. You did good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I weirdly the pride I feel for you right now, like a father. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Was that an over the plate hit? Yes. Did you do a good job? Yes. <laughs> Uh, so he asks her to pay the fine. Just he, basically, he, he's like, he gives her pay? a reduced fine. Yeah. He's like, I'm just gonna give you twenty. It's like sixty bucks, but I'm gonna give you twenty five. Just, and, just to get it done. And she's like, No. Now it's the principle of the thing. And he's like, Well, I'll fine. And he gets so mad. Be a stubborn female. He calls in Aunt B to like watch over the jail at night. I guess the the the, the explanation he gives is. A female customer, uh, not a female customer. He, no, he says uh, female customer. He refers to them as customers. Oh my god! I thought I, uh, I thought I was like slipping the tongue. Yeah, no, a female customer requires a matron. Like, what the fuck is? It's like some. It sounds like he's in Game of Thrones. I'm Handmaid's Tale shit, man. Yeah, it's really. This is such a. I'm. Are you sure it's not an Adler episode? There's some 
weird section the, going on. Uh, Ad, again, the entire time they were writing this, Adler was trying to punch his way into the room. <laughs> let me in! Just let me in! <laughs> let me... You don't... You're not sexual enough! Yeah. She represents my ex-wife! I just like... The, Ellison and Stewart have just barred the door. Like, some subtlety, man. Some subtlety. Have some decorum, sir. Have some decorum. This woman represents the uh, the American government and also my wife. Let me in. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, I need to project onto this. Ah, Horse, 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 horse. As he he falls. Jack Ellison's just holding him. Shh. They have, like, someone, like, Bob Sweeney trank darts him, like, before he gets into the writer's room. Uh, uh, it's like uh, a horny, angry baby. Just the the horniest little man. Uh, but, yeah, so they, they like, the, the introduction of Ampy is, like, they try to get into the jail cell, and Ampy, like, has locked the door and says, you can't come in, we're not decent. Yeah, so they finally do get in, and... And Aunt B has just like decorated the whole apartment in the yeah. jail, like an, as an apartment. The, the big joke is like the apartment has been decorated. And they're like, oh, what? But they've done that. They've like, done 15 this. Fucking they've done times this already for Otis and also a guy who did murder. Yeah, like, they they do this all the time, and they're like, it's a lady's apartment in here. Right? Yeah, they they give him like a shopping list, which is just like perfumes and shit. Yeah. Uh, it would like, have been tampons if you could mention that tampons existed in 1961. And, and she's like, I have a shopping list for Barney. And he's like, Bar- I'm not going to send Barney out with a shopping list. And that has happened like 15 Again, fucking times. you've done this so many times. He did that for She Who Shall Not Be Named and has forever been admitted from the Andy Griffith show. Andy accuses Crowley of manipulating Aunt B. Basically says like, oh, you... You got up in her head real quick, didn't you? You started doing your work right away. And she's just like, oh, well, I mean, you sent her to take care of me, and she's It was very care. kind of you. It was so kind of you to send him. And he's like, oh, it's the law. We got to send a lady guard. You got to be a, you got to have a matron. And uh, then she apologizes, and she, like, again, using the feminine wiles, is just kind of like, I wish that it never happened. Oh, we're just so bullheaded, but can you just pay the fine and go? But then they argue over whether she's paying $10 or $25. Yeah, the whole shtick is like, they agree like, oh, this whole thing got blown out of proportion because of bullheadedness. And then they go and she basically says like, all right, I'm going to pay you the $10. And he says, no, you're going to pay the 25 And then they both say like, but you agreed that you were being bullheaded. And then it's like a... They, they do the same fucking thing again. <laughs> basically, we, we, we roll the fucking same joke. Yeah. Uh... Uh, Barney isn't there, so they might have fucked this time. Possibly. Uh, yeah. Uh. And basically she's like, well, I'm gonna keep fighting this. I'm gonna win and I'm gonna appeal if, if I lose. To the Supreme Court if need be. Yeah. Yeah. Andy says that he's gonna go get Floyd to be a witness. He's got, like, Barney to testify. Uh, and then Barney goes to give her her stuff before the trial and she starts working him. Yeah. She's like... Did anyone ever tell you you look like Frank Sinatra? She, like, appeals to his, like, clear desperation. Yeah. Like, uh, she says, like, oh, you have such a dangerous, hard job. And also, you're so, you're strong enough to open this paper around my package. Thank you. Like, <laughs> you must work out a lot. She literally says, like, oh, you must work out so much. Also, you look like Frank Sinatra. Like, and just immediately takes him in. Uh, there's a pretty funny line where, um, 
Barney hears that and she's like, oh, you, you noticed that, did you? And she says, like, do other people tell you that? And he goes, no, but I noticed it in myself. Another part is she says, like, well, thank you, Sheriff. And he's like, oh, I'm not the Sheriff. I'm the Deputy. And she's like, really? The other guy's the Sheriff? I thought you were the Sheriff. Like, such bullshit. She clearly plays him like a fiddle. Well, like, yeah, like, of course you know who the fucking Sheriff is. And anyone with the t- intelligence of an eighth grader would know that you know that. I mean, it's it's fine whatever yeah. like barney's easy to play yeah uh, there's honestly the first time that barney five has been seduced by a woman on this show and it's like his sixth seduction despite the fact that like he's had five girlfriends or whatever yeah right? but his his anytime he's in a room with him he's immediately like either a i'm angry about a about a slight or b my hands are in the air i don't want to touch you and then, like, th- this this basically repeats, right? Aunt B is doing her hair before the trial. Floyd comes in. And I don't know why Floyd is there. Yeah. Like, Floyd shows up for no reason, basically. <laughs> yeah. Floyd is just like, well, I'm here to stand here and you can't talk to me. I'm gonna stand here weirdly. Like, yeah. And he basically says, like, he basically says, like, like you're not supposed to talk to me before the trial. And the correct question would be like, oh, then why are you here, man? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah and he he just sort of there. Floyd is so fucking weird. I think he's just like here to be creepy. Like he just wants to smell her, or smell her hair. Or he something. does all these weird mannerisms. Like like you can feel his fingers kind of twitching a little bit. And just what uh, is the actor who plays Floyd going for? Is I, it ether addict? Is Floyd supposed to be like in detox from something? I. <laughs> He really plays like like is he plays Floyd like he's in that the second act of Train Spotting. He plays Floyd like all of the Marx Brothers got in the machine from the fly <laughs> <laughs> and formed one being. Like like Harpo is trying to punch his way out of him. <laughs> like no, like he like Harpo is just cranking right. in his it's- stomach. <laughs> Oh god. Yeah, it's so weird. The actor who plays Floyd is making such weird fucking choices of like like I feel like uh like Bob Sweeney kept like stopping the scene and be like, Alright, I know I said creepier, but I meant creepier. <laughs> like I want people to be physically uncomfortable looking at you. Can you make your how hunched can you be without hurting your back? <laughs> So so she plays Floyd by talking about like his profession and saying uh that like she asked him to comb out her hair and like basically she's like male barbers are the best with women. You have such nice hands and like Floyd's like tie pulls a Dilbert basically yeah. and Do, Yeah, no, the little like the wolf from uh from Looney Tunes cartoons happens and it's like in his subconscious. By the way, I, I gotta say, we make fun of Floyd a lot. I like the design of Floyd. Like I like his stupid way too fat tie that he always ties incorrectly and his weird not quite a groucho mustache. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to like about him, about like him. And I, I do like Howard McNear is the guy that plays Floyd. I don't know what he's doing. I'm uncomfortable with what he's doing, but I do like what he's doing. He's doing a really good job at one of the weirdest characters yeah. I've ever seen. Finally, uh, we're at Mayor's Court. 
Uh, and the mayor the is- The mayor! The mayor is here! The mayor doesn't do a whole lot in this, though. No, the mayor is a perfectly reasonable human being, and I'm not a fan. Yeah, don't I don't like this, this version of the mayor. He doesn't get his head stuck in a banister or anything. He doesn't th- try to, like- You'd think he'd, like, just stick his, his face in a honeypot and- I'm really upset that when he bangs his gavel, it doesn't squeak. <laughs> Floyd is on the stand. And Crowley takes the first go at interrogating him. She basically says, like, was I speeding on the day in question? And he's like, well, what day? And he goes like, are you fucking serious? Like, just kind of like, you were there, you dipshit. Just say the thing. Yeah, say that uh, this woman gets three men, well, two men and a small child to commit perjury. Yes. (laughs) Well, Floyd, I feel like barely avoids doing perjury because he basically does plausible deniability. Because Floyd told, she... Floyd's whole thing is just like, he says, my glasses are shitty. I couldn't see what happened. I need a new prescription. So I can't say with any confidence that she speeded, which Andy should have immediately said like, Hey, what did you say to me and my child when the car drove fast? Was it that car is going 90? Those exact words, Floyd. (laughs) And he just goes like, no questions. Yeah. To be fair. All right. Apparently attorneys can be cops. But it does not go the other way around. Cops cannot be attorneys. Yeah. He can be a judge. He can be the justice of the peace, but he's a shit attorney. He... Except it's Andy Griffiths, so we know that he does go on, quite famously, to be an attorney. Yeah. Matlock! I feel like his entire case that he's making is like, You know me! You've been in my car in my home! <laughs> you owe me better! Like, like his like, big thing would be like, Hey, Floyd, have you or have you not had fried chicken at my house? The defense rests. <laughs> Andy's whole argument is basically Leonardo DiCaprio screaming at Anthony Anderson at the end of The Departed. <laughs> you know who I am! <laughs> you know we went to the Academy together! He, his whole thing is like the uh, the speech that like a small town politician does of like, now you know me. <laughs> like... I'm from the same community that you're from. I feel like we need one more. His whole defense is Quint's speech in Jaws. <laughs> you all know me. Cut you my... know how I make a living. His, I mean, he really goes with the, uh, which is a bold, bold move to go with the, are you fucking kidding me defense? <laughs> Not a lot of prosecutors will pull the, can you believe this bullshit? Barney said, Andy says, I'm going to question Barney first. Uh, and Barney dodges these questions. Yeah. Uh, basically, like, he, he just, like, gets really into semantics. Like, I don't, I don't know. I can't. Who can say who, what is speed? What is speed, yeah. anyway? Who, do, can you realize that if a, move, if a car moves past me, me, a human who is standing still, can't really say how fast that car is going? I mean, it, with the curvature of the earth and everything. What? What do you, do you realize how crazy it is that a car goes faster than twenty miles? Just, I would, it was a daylight savings, you know. Who knows? Like, man, Andy. When we really think about it, man was not meant to travel faster than a horse. I think we should really examine this whole cars thing. It's uh, crazy. Honestly, I'm convinced. Let's outlaw cars. Yeah. What What were we talking about? I feel like I nailed this. Goodbye. <laughs> And that's it. That's basically how, how Barney gets off the stand. Yeah. And then and then finally, Andy calls 
Opie to the stand, which, I gotta let's be fair here, the testimony of a seven-year-old child should not fucking be, <laughs> be valid. Can you do that? Can you call a child in, like... I mean, in, in, in deportation court, yes. Okay, yeah, Yeah, fuck. in deportation court, three-year-olds are called to, like, testify for themselves all the time. Okay, yeah, I feel like any lawyer would just be able to be like, like, uh, objection, your honor, it's the cop's kid, like... Yeah, because the American legal system is a fucking nightmare. Oh, God, we let the election... Oh, yeah, close in three minutes. We're yeah. mad at we're mad at Barney Fife. We're mad at... It, it's chinless little fuckface. Opie doesn't know how to regulate his voice indoors. So basically, Opie gets up there and uh, he's holding a baseball that was signed by the entire New York Yankees. A lie. <laughs> An absolute lie. D- hardcore lie. Why not the Washington Nationals? She, She's from Washington. She's not from New York. She she gave Opie the most expensive baseball ever to get out of a $25 speeding ticket. Yeah, what? Why would... Let's let's go ahead and and figure for some reason that she that it was an authentic New York Yankees signed baseball. Why is she just driving around with that? Why is that something you just have in your purse? Well, yeah, just in case you need to bust it out to show somebody. No, mm. she she needs she knows that eventually she's going to get in trouble in the South. Like she's yeah. dry, she's hauling ass down the South at ninety miles an hour, so she's just going to need that. Listen, if there's one thing you can't impress people in the South with, it's Yankees anything. It's a, it's like the the cop harassment equivalent of a road flare. Like if you're a rich person in a nice sports car, you go down a back road with a with a road flare, a car jack, a spare tire, and also a signed a ball that you say is signed by the New York Yankees in case you need to dazzle someone out into letting you out of a speeding ticket. You know, honestly, if Derek Jeter had played for the Yankees in 1992, my cousin Vinny would have been a much different movie. You can just wave the ball around. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, but yeah, so she bribes a child. <laughs> with and, a fake ball. And by the way, I want I want to see the episode, like, ten years in the future where Opie's like, this ball is inside by the New York Yankees. <laughs> Opie is just like, was any part of my childhood not a lie? <laughs> just... Like, father, adults were manipulating me left and right. What were you doing? Like, he, he does, like, he could have easily repelled that by being like, dude, that's not a fucking Yankees ball. You dipshit. Get up there and testify against this woman. I mean, sure, if he wants to, like, break his son's heart, I guess, whatever. Andy just looks at the ball and he's like, fuck it, I give up. Uh, and she says she's free to go. And then Andy does a little, like, bullshit speech. He's like, well, you did it. You made a mockery of this court. You turned three people against me. I would have sworn I'd never leave my side. You turned my own son against me. Yeah. For a fucking marker and a ball. And and he sort of does the basically says something to the effect of like, all right, Opie's a child and Floyd's a piece of shit. But Barney? You flipped Barney? Yeah, and why is he surprised that Barney flipped? Yeah. Like, that should be the least surprising thing. I feel like the thing he's really upset about is like someone out manipulated Barney. Like someone else took Barney. From yeah, him. exactly. Which, exactly. Barney is his plaything. How dare she? Uh, they go outside and like everybody's unhappy with this. Barney's finally just like, if you're gonna go, ma'am, just just go. And, just get out of here. Yeah, and she's like, oh, she basically says, like, did I do irreparable damage to your relationship with Andy? And Barney's like, get, get the fuck out of here. 
you destroyed this town. Yeah. Like, this, the these people's relationships are so fragile. Yeah, just a, t- a $25 speeding ticket ruined everything. And then again, because nothing matters but feelings. Yeah. She, she starts to feel bad, so she zooms off. Yeah. To, like... So, basically, she zooms off, allows herself to be pulled over, and then when Andy pulls her over, insists on paying the full $25. So, basically, hands him back the victory. And All sent- of this was a waste of time. Yeah. Mass- a waste of municipal resources. Like, didn't she say she was a writer with a deadline? Yes. Like, she, the reason she couldn't do this is because she was, like, trying to rush an article to her magazine. Yeah, she lost, like, two days of work. Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> And then, yeah, so let's be clear. She does win. She bests Andy in a game of manipulation. And 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 then then, feels bad for it. And then immediately gives him a a pity win. Yeah. So, really, like, the the show treats her as the asshole. But the asshole that that Andy meets his match in. But all she fucking does is point out that Andy has a massive conflict of interest. He He tries to silence her with monetary fines basically tries to use financial intimidation to get her to not point out that he's participating in wild corruption but both of these episodes are someone from out of town shows up points out that andy is bad at his job mm-hmm. not doing his job correctly and then is told to shut the fuck up yeah like and, that's both of these and then she uses like her wits and her uh her charm to convince uh the people around andy to abandon him not really, like, even that majorly abandoned him. Just not testify against her. Like, they don't stab him in the back or anything. In in any other situation, this is the story of a smart, clever young woman who refuses to let the system get her down and stands up against a corrupt regime. Like, it, yeah. in any other situation, she's the fucking hero. It's, like... Literally, this is a slight against Andy that I would recover from in 20 fucking minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, well, that sucks. I would be, if you did something like this to me where you, I, where like you, she did Barney didn't even inconvenience Andy in any direct way. He just prevented the state from getting 10 fucking dollars. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it really, feelings only matter. That was her money. $25. We, I cannot remember the conversion rate. But that is a relatively high amount of money back then. Uh, one sec, I'll do it. Uh, $25 in 1961 is $211. Christ in, fuck. In 2018. She gave up 200 fucking dollars for Andy Griffith's feelings. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 35 right? Because she pays the $10 fee plus the 25 Jesus Christ. So yeah, it's almost three hundred dollars. It's two hundred ninety-five dollars that she gives up. Insane. And I think it's it's like implied that she's pretty well off. She's like a high-to-do Washington reporter. So there's three hundred dollars is nothing for her. This was like back when being a writer was a cushy gig. Like right. Like oh, I asked my editor if they'd fly me to Paris to cover fashion. And I mean, did. even that original ten-dollar fine was like eighty-five dollars today. Yeah, fucking batshit. Which she does the thing she should have done, which is fucking fight it. Andy is absolutely the asshole. To the point, like, I think the show is trying to sell the lesson that she's the asshole. And he's so in the fucking wrong that I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah, no. They do a real shit job of it because he's so wrong. They're <laughs> aware 
that Andy being the justice of the peace is fucked up. Yeah, it, com- it's, hap- it's been brought up at least three times. They're completely aware, and they're aggressively trying to normalize it. They're, they're basically, like, using every single trick they can get around to get you to be okay with the fact that Andy is judge and jury of this town. Yeah. Yeah. You know what a cool, a weird thing about this episode is? Uh, just in terms of it being connected to the original episode and everything? When the Andy Griffith show was initially conceived, Andy was going to be an agitating reporter in a uh, in small in the small town south. Really? Yeah, that was the initial pitch, and Andy Griffith like basically had it changed to a sheriff. So it's just imagine this show, but Andy is a reporter, and how less pissed off we would be. God, the show would rule. Yeah. The the show would fucking rule. Are we done with this? There's a stinger. There's a stinger, stinger which is uh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, uh, Barney does like Frank Sinatra impression again, and he's singing quarter to three. And I actually really like this little instance of Andy fucking with Barney because he's just like like Andy's like hey or Barney's like hey hey what am I doing? He starts singing quarter to three, and Andy goes oh yeah you're doing uh you're doing, you're doing, oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. You're doing, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> and he just storms off. And it's real funny. And it I'm is like, really good. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's do let's, let's rate this shit. Um, all right. So in terms of how good it is, it's I, actually pretty It's a pretty good, good episode. I like this. Mainly because we should point out, like, once again, the female lead is the best part of the show. Gene yeah. Hagen is the Crushes best actor it. on this show. So she elevates everybody else. That. She takes a machete to Mayberry. I would say this gets like eight Andys on her alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Uh, yeah, eight Andys sounds right. It, yeah, she's an atomic bomb in this fucking show. In terms of Barney's... Uh, I mean, they, honestly, this is the first time that they really hit head on how fucked up it is that Andy is the justice of the peace. And then completely pass over it. They don't even make an excuse for it. They're just like, we're just okay with it. Yeah, no, honestly, the explanation, like, they, I'm gonna say they put the tiger on the table. Because I've heard that business term in my life today. Is that a phrase? That's a thing that businessmen say. Okay. Uh, they put the tiger on the table with Andy being the justice on the peace. And their explanation for why that's not fucked up is, fuck you, eat shit, shut up. Uh, (laughs) And uh, that feels pretty fucked up, right? Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Uh, I'll give that, like, six, six fives. Yeah, six fives. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they they really, they get to the root of one of the deeper, weird, messed up, sketchy things about this show and tell you to shut up and not think about it. All right, so that's it for this episode of Breaking Mayberry. Uh, don't forget, you can support us online. We are patreon.com slash breakingmayberry, uh, facebook.com slash breakingmayberry. On Twitter, we are at breakmayberry. Uh, on... We're about to read, uh, should, I, should we call out, like, we're about to read fan fiction of the Andy Griffith Show, if that's an incentive to support us. Yeah, yeah, uh, people on Patreon subscribers, they're going to get that bonus episode. Uh, also, uh, what it was was Dragon Ball. Yeah. Is a bonus that's already on there. Uh, Dan tells the story of Dragon Ball Z as if it were uh Andy Griffithism. I that's if that's something you're into, uh, if if that's your fetish <laughs> then we've got that. You yeah. Know, I'm really not making a case. Anyway, support us financially on Patreon. If that's the content you crave. <laughs> on look Twitter, no further. On Twitter I am at Schneide Remarks. That's S C H N E I D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. Ron Howard is at real Ron Howard. 
This time, hashtag tweet at Ron Howard. Um, invite Ron Howard to your house for Thanksgiving. Yes, you know, yeah. I, I, he won't come, but maybe he'll come. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll come. Just tell him to DM you for the details. Yeah. Hashtag tweet at Ron Howard. Yes. <laughs> uh, other than that, that's about it for us. Uh, our music is done by Max Ludwig at Sleep Talkie. Um, and our artwork was done by Emily Christina. That is at Scribble Emily on Instagram. Uh, we are heading in, heading through season two, and uh, that about wraps it up for us. Hell yeah! All right, so we'll talk talk to y'all next time. We'll catch you down at the fishing hole. <laughs>